Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. According to Gardner, nearly 75% of organizations expect to multiply the amount of major change in initiatives, and they will be undertaking these initiatives during the next three years. But without the adequate approach to inspire change in an organization, these initiatives, most of them are likely to fail. Very often, the responsibility of introducing new ideas and putting these ideas into motion fall into the shoulders of the leadership team. But moving an organization into leadership, uh, into a leadership that is driving the change is a tough challenge. That's why I have invited Tony Martinetti to share his insights on how to inspire people in times of cultural change. Let me tell you a little bit more about Tony. So before becoming a leadership development advisor, he was a finance and strategy executive with experience working with some of the world's leading life science companies. Uh, Tony is also the host of a podcast called The Virtual Campfire. Uh, and this podcast, in fact, talks about the transformation journey of leaders. And, and let me tell you sincerely, so it is because of his book that really in, I had a lot of curiosity. So he's the author of the book, Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. And the thing is that while most of the books that are made to help leadership, making them performing, like kind of climbing the mountain with performance, he talks instead about, are you in the right mountain? And this is something that I, I, I found quite, quite interesting. Thank you very much, Tony, for making it today. I, I'm, I'm so excited because before this uh, uh, the recording, we we already had like a little bit of a feeling that our paths were quite quite similar. But what I wanted to understand, Tony, is what drove you from this uh, amazing experience that you have in the pharma world uh, in executive level of positions into moving into supporting leaderships finding the right mountain. Ah. I love the question. And I'll just start by saying, I love the intro. You, you first of all, you make my name sound so good because in the US, <laughs> we just can't pronounce Martinetti uh, the way that we that we do in uh, outside of the US. Um, so thank you. Uh, and I will say that what did um, get me to climb the right mountain? Um, it was it was quite a journey uh, for me to get here. And um, what started me on this path was was burnout. I was in that moment of really uh, having this sense of like detachment from my life. Um, it wasn't all bad. I mean, I had uh, made a lot of impact in in my journey in the uh, corporate world. But what I found myself doing was just feeling like I was serving um, a purpose that wasn't mine. And uh, I got stuck in a pattern, uh, in a rut. And I was depressed, burnt out, and didn't know who I was any longer. So I started to have these moments of saying, well, what is it all for? What am I here for? 
And um, slowly but surely, I, I dug out of my darkest points and started to move towards like, how can I create something better? Well, the real uh, moment that lit me up was um, sitting in a boardroom at a biotech company and looking around the room. And I had at this point had a little bit of awakening, but I had looked around the room and saw that the leaders in this room were not focused on what was right for the patient or what was right for the people in the room. They were just worried about what was right for them and their own self-image preservation, if you will. And I said to myself, like, wow, this isn't, this isn't what I want. I think I've come to this place where I think I need to do something different. And I think my purpose is to change the way people show up as leaders to inspire people. I mean, we're in an industry where we save lives. We can't be wasting lives. Uh, and so I decided to get up and walk out and I decided that I'm going to leave this room to change the room. Um, it wasn't clear what that was going to look like, but I knew that my path was set at that point to do something different with my life that was going to be more purposeful and connected to changing leaders, um, and how they show up. And that was the start of a new chapter. This is, this is great. Uh, the, the thing is that we don't realize how difficult and how much courage we need to have in order to first identify that we are not doing the, the thing that is meaningful for us to accept already that. It is very yeah. tough because we have been doing it. We have been making money. We got recognition, status from, uh, from others. We even are scared about our families, even though they don't really care about our title we are yeah. scared about that our family they need to they deserve to have the best we i need to be to be in that position so we stay in the path that we have been already climbing but not being sure that we are in the right uh, in the right path the second level of courage or the second step of courage is when you decide that okay i recognize and i acknowledge that i'm in the wrong path but now do i get the hell out of it or not do i have the honest to go and do it <laughs> absolutely yeah exactly and what is it exactly uh you know what is it that i'm going to do because that's when you have to start listening to the clues that have been laid out for you all along so i love what you tapped into there and there were a lot of doubts that showed up immediately after i had that moment um and they weren't just self-doubts there were doubts that came from all well-meaning people in my life saying, are you sure you want to do this? You're, you're giving up a lot of great safety, mm. but the reality is in order for us to, um, to really grow, we have to let go of the things that, um, that we've gotten comfortable with. Um, that's why they always say that growth happens in outside of your comfort zone. Well, it's true. You have to be able to say, Hey, in order for me to become the person I want to be, I have to let go of the person that I have been and now allow this person to emerge. And that's going to require a lot of things that are going to scare the living crap out of me. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, it is almost similar. So a, a person, an individual, is also similar in, it, in, in terms of the type of courages that we need in order to transform ourselves. And so coming back to the to the topic of, of, of organizations, so... Um, it is also tough for an organization to change. So based yeah. on the observations uh, out of your career in, in senior leadership positions, 
what would you say are the factors that determine successful, that you are successful transitioning during these corporate transformations? So, yeah, well, I love that you bring this, like do a great shift into really understanding how change happens inside organizations and how yeah. to do it effectively. And I think it starts with really crafting that, that journey for people that they need to know about how this change is happening or how it will happen. And I think there's, I think of five things that are really crucial, communication, planning, support, resources, and flexibility. I'll say those again, and I'll get into them a little more detail. Communication, planning, support, resources, and flexibility. And those all sound very kind of like prescriptive, but there's elements of this, which is to say, how do you ensure that people know what is happening? And there's real transparency. You're clear with people about what is, what's going to happen and where you're going to, um, even if it's uncertain. I mean, there's been a lot of uncertainty around a lot of changes that have happened to us <laughs> as a society or as, you know, even as organizations. And so they have to know that even if it's not 100% clear that what is the benefit of actually moving from a state of inertia of staying where you are to a place where you're actually going to make a shift. The planning part of it is that, you know, as you're starting to put plans in place, you're making sure that you understand what are the steps that we're going to go through. Maybe there's phases to it that you're not just going to leap from zero from from zero to a hundred overnight. Yeah. And uh, support. You know, the key thing is that you know when people are going through change, they need to know that there's people, there's other resources available to them. Um, that you know there's people who are going to help them along the way. If there's questions, if they run into a roadblock, who's going to be there to help them through that? So making sure there's support along the way. Mm. And that goes hand in hand with resources. You can't just change the way people always say about changing the wheels as you're going down the, the highway. And sure, that works to some extent, especially for startups, because <laughs> that's what you kind of have to be limited by. But you want to make sure that you're also thinking, you know, what are the things that we need to be successful in the change um, endeavor uh, to make sure we get to the end successfully? And then lastly, flexibility. <laughs> you know, nothing as we plan, everything we plan can also fall apart. And so we have to make sure we're flexible in, in facing the things that show up as we move through that change. So flexibility is important. All along the way, communication is the is the fuel along that journey. And that was that, a long answer, so I apologize. <laughs> I love it because it covers it covers the things that are essential. But let's play a little bit the devil's advocate. So mm -hmm. you tell me this is how you do I don't know pizza. Let's say okay. Now <laughs> now it looks super cliche, Tony, that I I brought pizza. But anyways, let's say that it is about making pizza, but behind doing an awesome pizza, there will be the art. Um, yeah. And I have the impression that, so in what you say, these are the key milestones, the key, um, if you want the recipe to do it, but to do it also, yeah. they, we need to consider a couple of things that are super 
hard for leaders. Like one is to have the bandwidth, the mental bandwidth to, I mean, communicate. We get tired of communicate of communicating. I mean, we are all absorbed with the stressful deadline, the stressful targets. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get the bandwidth to to make it happen? And the other thing is about, and I don't know how to call it in in reality. It's about that we as human we say we believe that because I have said it once, everybody has understood it. But it's yeah. not true. In reality, you need to reinforce whatever you are saying, like ten yeah. million times, so that you have really covered everybody. Because we have this incapacity sometimes to empathize to be in the in the other shoes like we say something during a conference okay but maybe not everybody pay attention attention or maybe the way it was understood it was not the correct way how do we continuously reinforce so reinforcing and bandwidth is a bloody challenge for uh, for, for leaders yeah. how can we yeah. overcome that stuff yeah, I love what you shared because that's exactly, you know, what I'm leaning into next. And I think there's there's three things that come to mind around this and I'll share them super quick. Number one is you have to have space to be able to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're also being clear about what I need as I'm navigating this. The first, any change happens first inside your mind and it's on the, the mind of the leaders and inside the mind of the people who are driving that change. If they haven't prepared themselves mentally for that journey, then it's going to be hard for them to to bring other people along. They're they're the ones who are catalyzing that change, and the people who start to go along as the, the leaders of that change have to be mentally prepared to help others along that path. So I think space is is a critical first uh, first step to getting people there. And then, um, as you said, the repetition that. You know, um, it has to be said multiple times. And we think it's like an echo chamber because we are saying it in our minds. But the fact of the matter is that people, you know, are not us. They need to hear it a couple of times. And then it really starts to settle in. This is important, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, that, uh, that repetition, that reinforcement of the message is also so crucial along the way. Yeah. Um, and then, the, the, you know, the third part of it is to make sure that you're empathizing with people, that you're understanding it like, hey, you know, how am I checking in with the people on the, on this path? Are they feeling things the same way I am? Probably not. So really understanding, like, how are things going from your perspective? Not just, you know, are we on target, but how are you feeling about the change? How are you feeling about the journey that we're going on? It, it is a big shift, in, especially in times of change. It's almost like leaders are not anymore like they are not a messenger of change, but they are the drivers or the catalysts or whatever you want to call it, but they are initiators. So it's almost yeah. like a guerrilla approach. You are alone. That's a lot of pain as a, as a leader. So these times where we believe that leaders' role is to earn a lot of money and just give orders is certainly gone because it's not what is expected from organizations. Their leaders should be driving the change, uh, and it it needs a lot of a lot of effort because already this empathizing. I can tell you already, like having Zoom after Zoom is already tiring. So imagine that when you have a, a workforce where you have to, to work together with 20 different people, it is something that is quite demanding mentally. And I love what you say. It's, it's change it starts in yourself. If 
building the capacity to drive it. You yeah, cannot yeah. just go and jump and do it. No, no, you need to have this mental bandwidth to make it happen. Yeah, I want to add something in here, and this is completely unprompted, but I'll just share it because it came to mind, is I think the best leaders of change are curators and storytellers. You know, when you're a curator, you know how to bring the right elements of people together, right um, expertise, and you're also looking across multiple areas to say, um, like, I, I'm bringing some ideas from this field, I'm bringing ideas from this industry or from this uh, discipline, and I'm bringing those into this to this project to help solve this problem in a different way. And um, they know that they're not going to have all the answers. So they know they need to curate the expertise from different places in the organization or outside of the organization. And then storytelling, you know, the key part of this is that in order for someone to get on board with change, they need to be engaged in the story that you're trying to tell, not that it's made up but it, that it's a story that they can believe in. And so uh, a great leader is all about creating a story that engages people in the process of being in that journey. Would you agree? I I, I do. And, and almost, almost I was thinking that you are giving me almost a, a part of the definition of what would be inspiration to inspire someone. So yeah. it's partially storytelling, it's partially curating. What else would you add to define your, to have your own definition of what is inspiring people? Yeah, it's connecting with people's, um, the spark that's inside of them. And I don't mean to go, I may lose people here, but I'll just, I'll go with what I think is real. Um, what I think is real is that each one of us has something inside of us that motivates us and moves us forward. And, that, and I call it the spark. And that is where um, we sometimes lose sight of what it is that lights us up and, when a leader can get to understand what drives that person or what can get people out of their seats and want to show up every day and want to bring themselves into this room, then that is what's going to inspire them into action and do things that, that are sometimes seemingly impossible, but because they've connected with what wired, what they're wired for, then that is what inspiration is about. It's about getting people to to be sparked up and light, lit up from the inside and seeing how that moves people into action. That makes all the difference. Now, everyone has different motivations. So the key thing is, is how can you motivate the masses as much as possible and then find ways to have other people ignite the sparks of other of others? So it's almost like a ripple effect. Mm, that's totally totally right um you i mean i have seen it a, a little bit and i wanted to share it with you that sometimes leaders believe that especially during the times of change it's, it's very difficult for anyone to go into change and psychologically to to uh to be moved in an area of volatility uncertainty and that drives fear in our brain and then this fear creates a natural resistance for change. So, yeah. and what you say is quite, uh, it, it looks super logical. Is if, if I get people to be inspired, by, uh, to, 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 to be part of the change, to, to make, convert them, yeah, to convert them somehow, but it, it's, it's not a conversion that is done by constantly repeating, the company needs to change, that's it. No, it's how do I involve that person to be yeah. part of the solution? And it's not me telling him, 
So these mm -hmm. are the th five things that we need to do in order to change. No, is making them contribute to that change so that they become the change. And that is very difficult, right, to, to, to do. And very often it's a mistake that organizations do. They do publicity posters about let's change together and all that stuff. That specifically is what makes people have even more resistance. As long exactly. as you do, you're doing advertising, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, love, I, I mean, it's kind of like the what's in it for me. Like if you haven't, uh, people start asking what's in it for me if there's like no connection to what I want um, as an employee or as someone who's part of the being what's being changed, then um, then you've lost me. So the key thing is you have to find a way to connect with that. And so I always think about the five whys, like the exercise of, of asking why a couple of times. So um, you know, if you ask, why are we changing? And then and the surface is like, because we need a change. But if you have to like ask a couple more times and say, what's the real reason? Like, why are we doing this? And eventually you get to that real honesty of this is the the reason behind it all. And if it's something that's so powerful that other people can say, well, of course, that makes a lot of sense. And not only that, but it drives me to want to do that because I can see how that is something that I want to be part of. And yeah. and and I, I can see how this connects to my reason for wanting to change too. So yes. Tony, so in 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 your career, and I, I want to this because your career is divided in one part where you were in these senior leadership positions and the other one where you were helping other, helping leaders to, to move on, to, to find the, the right mountain. Um, yeah. What, what would you say are the most common mistakes that leaders do during cultural change? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I would say um, they, the communication is a starting point, the lack of communication and this, this assumption that they think it's happened, but it hasn't been enough and it hasn't gone deep enough. Um, so that's the number one. Um, number two, they haven't built trust. Um, they haven't gotten people to really understand and trust them along this journey of creating what they're, what they think is a very, you know, reasonable path to, to, um, to change. Um, so they have to make sure that trust is there first. Otherwise the communication falls flat. Otherwise they don't engage people in this, in this process. And then the last part is the accountability is important. People have to know that they're being held accountable to results Ooh. along this path of change. If you're part of the change initiative, like what is my part that I'm playing in that change? Um, if you're not holding people accountable, then what happens is they just think, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it and just kind of like move along. There's a, a sense of this, which is the balancing act. You have to be compassionate with people about holding them, um, you know, in the sense of I care deeply about you and I want the best for you. And if there's something that comes up, we can talk about the challenge you're facing, but I want to hold you accountable to what we said we we're going to accomplish because that's how we get things done together as a team. Uh, I want to highlight one of my favorite topics, which is the concept of trust, because yeah. very often there is leaders who believe that trust is built by, by the fact that there is a, an agreement between you and me. You yeah. have a salary, you do your job. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the agreement. <laughs> but <laughs> don't trust that that is a transaction. Um, mm -hmm. 
and and people underestimate that trust is just like okay we are a bunch of hippies we're hugging each other we love each other and, and stuff like that no it is about how do we you make a team of people who have some common interests so and some individual interests to work is to stand with each other a little bit like it would be like in a football team that is not about individual stars but together they are successful when you know a little bit about football maybe not the americans but okay when you know a little bit about football you know that manchester united the, the best teams that they had it was always when there was no real story but all together they were winning cup mm. after uh, uh, cup after cup you can see this element of trust uh well this time in america for instance who are involved in 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 many defense uh acts uh like in the army where people are counting on each other they know that they can rely on the people next to them in order to yeah. save their lives and so trust is not just this feeling of that we are working together it is we are counting on each other in order to be successful on achieving that common uh, common goal so it's yeah. not as simply like this new age vision that uh, we are dancing together it, it is more than that and it's super important in order to drive success in organizations yeah and th and there's something about what you shared which has me thinking about how like people have this this one way look at what trust looks like it has there's many layers to trust like there's a sense of reliability trust and there's also a sense of care trust like does the do the people around me care about my interests care about me as an individual and but reliability trust is another part like do i trust that the people around me are going to be reliable with what um i expect them from them Will they reliably um, give me results uh, when I ask of them to give me results? And I, you know, I think that nuance is important too. Yeah, totally. Then it makes me also think about well, we have that in common. Probably you have also kind of a Latino background, a Latin background, where family is the the core of the of the situation, and in in the family business, so you can be. In the on the table eating and all the stuff and everybody's yelling to each other not listening correctly um, but at the end that if there is a problem you know that somebody's going to stand by you when there is yeah, yeah. really needed and and what we any leader should understand is not about the perfection it's not about how sweet you are with each other holding hands it is about being blunt it yeah. is about being a little bit disorganized, messy, but in times where it's needed, that the cohesion and the common common goal stands out behind all of this incredible Latin way of interacting. <laughs> yeah, like I love what you shared because it's first of all, it's it's hilarious, but it's also so right on the money. And there's a sense of like trust is not always like um, a, a sweet thing. It's also sometimes it, it can be really um, ugly and messy, but also yes. uh, at the end of the day, it's what's most needed when we, um, when we go through challenging times, we need someone who can be able to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have your back. Even when you do things that are not quite right. Yeah. Um, because I trust that ultimately your intentions are good and you want to do the right thing. Sometimes you're just going to, you're going to fall down. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Tony, 
what would you say could be the right way or a good way to prepare people? So let me put it in that in, in a different manner. So let's say that magic one situation. So you get to be the CEO in one Fortune 500 company and you and you know that there needs to be a change in the next six months. How do you use these six months to prepare your organization for that big change? Oh, that's a great question. And, you know, obviously this is something that is happening all the time. Um, and the first starting point is to make sure that people are building the skills of adaptability um, because they have to be ready to to be able to flex and form into what's happening next. If there, uh, if you have people on your team who are just not ready to to make a change, then it's um, it's going to be hard for you to to help them through that process. It's going to be a lot more challenging for you know you to to move them through that process. I think everything that's happened over the past few years has allowed a lot of us to become more adaptable to realize that we can't be too fixed in our thinking. So I think any leader who's going to be moving a team through a change should start to put a foundation in place to get them change ready um, and allow them to just say, how can we be more adaptable? How can we build trust? How can we ensure that we have those skills that we need to navigate this next chapter? Um, and that's mostly not technical skills. Sometimes it's it's those soft skills, as we call it. Well, as they call it, and I hate to call them soft skills, but those things that we need to be able to navigate the challenging times. Um, so I think setting a foundation to be ready to move through change and know that it's going to be challenging, but if you have these things, you'll be ready. Hmm. You, you made me think that back in the days in my corporate life, um, one of the things that I hated the most is throwing money uh, for trainings. And because you, you are talking about adaptability, you're talking about trust. And I say, what the hell? This is not something that you learn in a training room. It, it is it, it is a mental skill. It is, it is a mental process. So how do you do that? How do you embark into a 14500 organization and you say, okay, adaptability, trust. Is there a, a better way than just the traditional training? Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is really kind of doing it in small little experiments and small little steps they can take on in the, in their jobs, uh, finding ways for them to work together and challenging each other to build those skills. How am I um, building trust in the work um, in little micro experiments, right? First of all, you know, I think the biggest, aware the, I love this quote, and this comes from Eckhart Tolle, you know, awareness is the greatest agent of change. Mm. And when you think about that, if we don't become aware of what the things that we need to work on, then it's hard for us to make changes in those areas. So when you think about, you know, these things like trust, like if we want to work on trust, then we need to find a way to, to experiment and practice trust. Um, so find ways in the current work environment to practice trust. That might mean, Hey, work with a colleague and find ways to say, how can I ensure that I'm giving more ownership and more trust in that person? That's how you can do that. The same thing goes through adaptability, you know, setting certain parameters, like for example, put in constraints for a project 
and say, how would I approach, approach this, this project, this current project that I'm working on with a smaller budget or in less time. And by putting those constraints in place, it allows a person to change their thinking about, wait a minute, how could I adapt in this situation to do things differently, given less resources or less time, you know, just resource. Makes sense? It makes sense. I was thinking that today, if you, you can count the number of organizations that can adopt alternative ways of learning. You mentioned Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. We can discuss about Eckhart Tolle in a different uh, setup, but <laughs> the, the fact is that he, what he's teaching is something that uh, can start with a lot of self-awareness. Uh, it, it is a little bit of mindfulness. And really, when you Google, you find a couple of companies who are using this type of practice. I know that Google does it with search inside of yourself. I know that Facebook has another program that is quite similar or maybe a copy of Google. God knows. <laughs> but so it, there is a huge resistance for alternative ways of, of learning that really could help people to understand better where they are situated, to understand better how they can uh, experiment by themselves because experimentation cannot be always dictated. Experimentation means that I know the process and I maybe this thing will work for me, but maybe not. So I need to be able to quickly have some data that will tell me this is wrong for Ivan uh, and move on with another experiment, a little experimentation. And already learning this experimentation, you can call it like micro habits or, or, yeah. or and mode or whatever you want to call it. There is 10 million names for, for, for this, but it is rooted in human psychology. It's rooted yeah. on the way of, this is how we learn to decide on ourselves and develop intrinsic motivation to do whatever the, the hell we want to do in our lives. Exactly. I, I, I want to take that and just to, to take it to the next level, because I think there's a sense of what you're sharing is um, people, when they first face a, an obstacle or challenge, it's like, it becomes overwhelming. So they think like, oh, I can't do that because it's just too much. And so the first thing that I, um, I, I often share with people is like, um, this model I use, it's called expand your vision, narrow your focus. And the, um, the reason why I use that is because oftentimes we don't see the possibilities in the situation because we're only looking at the wall that we're facing. And it's become so daunting that it's like, oh, I guess I can't move on. But if you move away from it and you look expansively and see what other possibilities are available, then you can start to say, oh, there is something I can do. And in the one step, if I take one step towards that, narrow my focus, then I can start to get out unstuck and start moving towards something. And so I think that is kind of aligned with what you're sharing is a sense of like the micro steps that I can take start to get you in this path of seeing like this unsurmountable challenge is actually not that unsurmountable. I just have to start experimenting with these little things that will get me to learn the path to where I need to go. Ooh, that's terribly right. Um, just I wanted to add that my parenthesis because you make me think about Eckhart Tolle. And <laughs> the reason is, is that I always have him in my mind because since the moment I 
I started reading what what he writes, and I think that he wrote. Yeah, the first book it was the, uh, that I read. It was the Power of Now. Yeah, um, I have a scientific background, so there is a lot of truth on what he says. But when he starts mixing science, he's a little bit off for me because that, that, that <laughs> is part. Of, so what he says is true. The way he explains it sometimes is a little bit too crazy for me. <laughs> That's the reality. Yes. <laughs> this journey, Everyone goes off the reservation a little bit when it comes to science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he drives me nuts, this, this German, because every time that I, I find someone who's telling me about the cartole, I need to put it on the table. It's incredible. Um, anyways. That's that was my parenthesis about Eckhart Tolle, and I have the same for uh, some Indian uh, gurus. Uh, yeah, I have the same type of of, of comments. Um, <laughs> tell me one thing. So, is there a way to decide like an awesome pathway for leaders in order that they're equipped? really to inspire others for change. Is there like a, a, a no, I wouldn't say that like secret sauce because there, there will be always a specificities, but like topics that they need to be, to, to, to learn so that they are ready to drive the change in, in organizations. Yeah, I mean, I guess I will share that it's not rocket science. I mean, there's, it's not like, it doesn't have to be some magic magic formula but i think there is a few there are a few quick things that leaders can do and it starts with first starting with a clear idea that they of what they want to create for people and making sure they communicate it well so that clear articulation is important and then modeling it you know you can't just give people something and say we're going to do this and we're going to cut costs and everyone's going to get on board and then they go off and they, they sail away on their yacht. Um, and I'm not saying that like, you know, that's probably a bad example, but you know, you model the way by doing things yourself that you want other people to do, whatever that might be. So modeling is an important aspect of this. So ensuring that you're connecting with that, that idea of modeling. And then the last part is empowering people. If you want people to change, you have to give them the space and the ability to make decisions that align with that change. So I think this sense of really seeing that um, I want people to be able to have the freedom to operate within the confines of what we're trying to create. And confines is a bad choice of words, but you know, there's a, a this container you create when you say what we're trying to do is this, but there's how we do it is not necessarily cut in stone. So I want to give you the opportunity to give me, give, get ideas together. Like, how do you want to go about this? What is your own unique spin of your part of the change that you want to create? Ooh. So you don't have to feel like it's just dictated to you. Go do this, do it this way, do it. Like I said, it. To, you know, to do it instead, give them the agency and the, the, the sense of how I can operate within that. Makes sense. Indeed. And, and what stays in my mind, it is this part that it is very often put aside is the power of role modeling. So in the systems of mm -hmm. communication, 
is our behaviors. So the way we act, are, you are going to observe it. And our brain has these kind of mirror neurons that will make mind the behaviors. And on top, yeah. I'm communicating that whatever I'm doing is the right thing. Let's imagine that I'm someone in the leadership team and, I, and I'm doing something different of what I'm claiming. So there is yeah, first yeah. information, do this in that way. Second information, he's doing it that way. And he's rewarded for being for doing that thing. So I'm going to mime the behavior. The behavior will have a more a higher part on the on the hierarchy because it is rewarded because he's there because he's behaving in that way. So and very often I have seen organizations where there is leadership who are doing all of the efforts for communication communicating verbally what should be done, how it should be done sometimes, what is that is not always the, the, the right thing to do. Um, and But behaving in another way, obviously I'm going to see, to mind the behaviors that are rewarded and naturally because we are kind of monkeys. We understand this, uh, these things without telling us in words that this is the, the right thing to do. So mod role modeling the wrong behaviors, it is something that uh, is going to have definitely a, ba a bad impact. And I have seen it very often. And sometimes, uh, and I want to get back to how we initiated the discussion when, because you mentioned burnout and, and it's something that we, we have uh, historically, uh, something, a similar story is that burnout not, don't always come because you have been overworking to, for hell, like hell. Uh, it comes also because of this cognitive dissonance that you are living where you, yeah. the environment that you are in doesn't match with what is expected that you, what you expect from yourself and what is yeah. expected from others. And then that, that breaks a person because it's not in line. It is the messages are, are constantly uh, not in line with what, what is being said and that breaks a person. Yeah, the, uh, I think the word comes around like dissonance, like uh, and a the sense of like disconnection between you know what you want and what uh, and what is currently available in that environment, and the lack of control that also comes in mind. So yeah, I agree. There's so many parts to burnout. People always think it is that you know I guess you know just overworking yourself. But if you're overworking yourself, it's probably because you don't understand um, what is the true sense of who you are, yeah. and what you want and you're not pushing back respectfully into that place of what do I need to do to, to take back control of not just my life, but also what it is that this environment is doing to me. Mm. Um, I think that's uh, a big aspect of how burnout um, can be. You can fight back, but you need to first feel empowered internally. And that's hard. It's a hard shift. Tony, I, I really love this discussion. I, I, I think we need to be to do more of these discussions talking about how to inspire change because mentioned so most of organizations are uh, are ongoing changes people are ongoing changes people wants to change but they don't know how and it's very difficult to do it like either by reading books or by talking to yourself it is super <laughs> difficult i have tried it is super difficult <laughs> So and, and I think it, this needs a little bit more of uh, more of discussions, more of options about what is the best way 
for an individual to embark in, in, into change. Tony, how can people reach you out uh, to discuss change, to discuss yeah, yeah. the type of person that I want to be, if I am in the right mountain or if I am in the, in the, the wrong one? What is the best way to reach you out, Tony? Well, first of all, thank you so much. And I agree wholeheartedly. There's a, it's great to have people on the journey with you who can help to just be able to be, um, to create the space for you to, to check in and, and see how they can help you. So the best place you can find me is on my website, inspiredpurposecoach.com. Um, and there you can find a whole bunch of things, including my website for, you know, my link to the podcast, the virtual campfire and, um, my books on Amazon, uh, climbing the right mountain. My next book is in the works. So keep posted. And, um, then the other place you can find me is LinkedIn. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I will put these links, but then now you, I, I'm very curious. What is the topic of the next book, Tony? Oh, it's called camp. It's called campfire lessons. Um, how to use your story to propel you forward. Um, and really what it is, is a sense of like, there's a lot of things that we have to dig into our past to understand and use as fuel to, to move us forward. Um, we have to look forward, but we also have to make sure we look back from time to time and understand what is it that was about my past that I need to respect and honor and include as I move into the future. Okay. You made me think about another guy, a psychologist. What's his name? Gabor Mate who is always talking about yeah. getting back to the past to, to heal a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love it. That's great. Thank you very much, Tony, for your time. I really appreciate that you had a little bit of time for this podcast. I hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much.